Look at your career, they say. Lauren, baby, use your head. But instead, I chose to use my heart. Now the joy of my world is in Special int- introduction this uh, this week. Oh, what's up, Nation? Welcome back to the Whole Nine Sports Podcast, where I'm your host Dylan Sanders, with our co-host Brandon Olson, and our guest, lead analyst for All Saints Considered, and host of the Locked On Saints Podcast, Ross Jackson. We're going to be talking a lot of Saints, so stick around for all that and a little bit of land. Yep. <laughs> yes, dude. Yes, come through, Dylan. Let's go. How was that? Come through, Dylan. Yo, I'm so hyped now. <laughs> Yo, I was hyped before, but now I'm just like, I'm out of the roof, man. Good work, yo. Come through, Dylan. That's what I'm talking about. That's I'm just gonna pull that. That's gonna be my intro from now that's on. Gonna yo. Be, that's gonna be your that's intro. That's it. That's Dude, it. Everybody, down. Everybody's gonna be like, I thought I was listening to Locked On Saints. I didn't know I was listening to Whole Nine Sports. Saints What's the podcast. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's whole, it's really is just whole nine saints now i love it y'all i'm glad to be here man thanks so much for welcoming me in y'all i can't wait of course you're welcome anytime we're probably okay, so that. we're just gonna be talking a lot of a lot of saints this episode but we're probably gonna uh, this a little behind the scenes we might have you come back on just to talk about the nfc south as a whole oh yeah absolutely happy to um so how's everyone doing tonight today it's Sunday night, so. Sunday night. Um, I'll say I'm good. Um, I, I hit up a, a nice burger joint today and everything. I'm limping a little bit because I played some Ultimate Frisbee yesterday, twisted my ankle a little bit, but I'm going to be Gucci. Um, I'm going to come back from that. Uh, it's no Patrick, <laughs> no, no Patrick Robinson on IR type mentality Ooh. over here. You know what I'm saying? Ooh. No, but also I didn't break my leg, right? I didn't All have, right, I didn't true. have, I didn't have 17,000 pound Alex Mack roll over on my ankle. Ugh. And so, uh, <laughs> so, so I'm good, man. It's been a good day. Relaxing, like finally away from work. Like I told y'all before we started recording, not leaving the house tomorrow. It's about to be a beautiful week. Man, so much, so much going on. The Saints, I mean, the Pelicans getting Zion. Oh, oh. And getting rid of Anthony Davis. Getting oh. rid of Anthony. Oh, 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 so good. <laughs> we were just talking about fucking worst. <laughs> <laughs> would, uh, aren't you excited for uh, for, for this weekend, uh, Bolson? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, not anymore. I was, but y'all ruined it. <laughs> Killed the whole vibe. <laughs> we went to a, we went to a Cheesecake Bistro. For my uh, stepfather's Father's Day celebration today. Okay, so. hold up. So I need you to quickly explain the difference between Cheesecake Factory and Cheesecake Bistro for me. Uh, Cheesecake Factory is like the I don't know. So they both center center around um, cheese, like cheesecake, but Cheesecake hope Bistro. So. Yeah, you know, but <laughs> Cheesecake Bistro is run by a company called Copeland's, which is like a Louisiana company. I'm so very like familiar with Copeland's, thing. man. Okay, I've, spent, yes. I've had many a meal in Copeland's, homie. <laughs> yeah, so it's basically Copeland's version of Cheesecake Factory. Come through, Copeland's. It's Being like, you know, fire. I'm going to take your your little idea here, and I'm going to make it better. And I'm sure there's like a little bit more of a uh, Louisiana flair to it. It's so I had a Mardi Gras king cake today. I mean, cheesecake today. Like a king cake it. cheesecake is awesome. Oh, I love it. The do they cinnamon. Have, oh. do, they have, do they have cheesecake daiquiris? Um, I don't, I didn't, I didn't check the, the drink I, menu. I don't know if that would be delicious or not. I, that, I feel like that might be nasty, but I feel like that'd be something they'd try too. Listen, I've know. never had anything king cake flavored that isn't amazing. That would be dope. Brendan, how's your day been? Uh, I'm good. You know, just recording whole nine cheesecake now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> to call myself from the Connor, Connor Rogers episode, we have fun here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, I've sure. been doing fucking homework all day. I'm glad dope. this going. There you go. Get that out of the way, yo. It's not dope. Business statistics is not dope at all. It's uh, look, man. You you putting your work in. I, I respect that. I'm not doing any. I'm not doing any summer classes because I'm smart. You know. Whoa, whoa. 
Whoa, shots. Shots. <laughs> Smarter to take the summer classes than you finish earlier. For real. Yeah, I, but I, go to, I, go to, I go to community college, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair i almost i almost took summer classes in grad school i was that focused on getting done yeah um i just i need money Dylan really said i'm smart and then i <laughs> go to community college that, listen that whoa whoa with whoa. lsu and brcc that is the smart thing to do all right that, that yeah you ain't wrong man all you of my lying. professors also teach at lsu the same yep. exact course they even give they most of them even like scan in the lsu textbooks so it's literally no different yep so and it's so much cheaper so much cheaper all right so i guess we actually should probably talk about uh some football maybe let's do it it's a sport yeah i'm sick of uh i'm sick of whole nine new orleans here let's talk about some (laughs) new orleans saints all right brandon you're no longer i was gonna pay for your cafe du monde but not anymore (laughs) <laughs> i wasn't i'm not going with you <laughs> okay so hold on wait so what is happening are y'all going at the same time but planned separately yes that's hysterical <laughs> dylan had already planned with his family to go and then by the time i even told him by, like by the time we had spoken about it like i had already booked mine so when i told him the dates he's like oh shit i'm gonna be there like the exact same time so, uh, yeah, we're going to meet up in New Orleans, uh, watch Florida, Miami, drink some hurricanes, and uh, yeah, some hand grenades. Some hand grenades, yeah. Mm-hmm. Dope. A little bit of laying yet, you know? A little bit of laying yet? <laughs> <laughs> me, and my, me and my friends are also so, uh, planning a separate trip to New Orleans to go for a, see if there's a weekend that lines up a Pelicans game and a Saints game. Oh, smart. Yeah, I did that in I'll, December 2015. I, wanna, I like made sure I hit both of them. Yeah, Ross, can you get us some uh, media credentials? <laughs> Probably not. I know. We've tried. <laughs> All right, then. That's, that's a good answer. Can you get us media credentials? Ha! <laughs> <laughs> huh? No. no. <laughs> not even not. for the locked on Saints. Uh, yo, look, if I secure a media credential, I'm sorry, but it's got to be for me. I don't understand. Understandable. Understandable. <laughs> All right, so speaking of the Saints... Uh, you know them, right? Yeah, I know them. I've heard of them. All right, cool. So, what is uh, some news and some player impressions from Saints minicamp so far? Uh, well, there's a good few. Uh, so when it comes down to, I guess one of the big things that I would start off with would probably be the quarterback position. Drew Brees was out for a little while dealing with his trial in San Diego, and so during that time, Teddy Bridgewater stepped in with the ones and played really well. Uh, there was one practice at the end, the last open session of OTAs. He threw three touchdowns in the red zone and almost the fourth uh, to Ted Ginn Jr., and then he continued that success throughout the first day of minicamp. Drew Brees was still gone, and so he played very well throughout that first day. Uh, but then Drew Brees came back, and then it was like vintage Drew Brees. Drew had one sort of tough, uh, tough series of four snaps. They generally go four snaps at a time until they go into the the no huddle drills or two minute drills, depending on what it is that they're working that day. And they did. Uh, let's see, it was a fumbled snap, a drop, a fumbled snap, and then an interception by uh, Marshawn Lattimore. And both of those fumbled snaps came with Eric McCoy at center. So those are part of the growing pains that you would imagine. Of course, he's the rookie that was just drafted out of Texas A&M. And, uh, you know, center there uh, played, what, 1,400 snaps in college and only allowed one tackle the entire time that he was there, which is a pretty nice stat line for a guy uh, that's coming into the NFL and in particular going into one of what was at one point the best, uh, the best offensive line in the NFL last year, but then injuries and everything sort of hampered it throughout. So he's somebody that you kind of expect to be plug and play starting week one. Uh, Drew bounced back from that tough series to go. Uh, it was a no huddle drill with 49 seconds on the clock. And then he competed, completed, I think, three straight passes, including a 60 yarder to Ted Ginn Jr. Uh, on a nine route uh, scoring with four seconds left. So he went back to vintage Drew Brees right away. Uh, you can also point to the rookies, of course. I mentioned Eric McCoy. I know the only thing I mentioned about him at the moment was the one of the two fumbled snaps, but uh, he's also stood out so far as working with the first team at center while Nick Eason, who they signed the day after Max Unger retired, has been filling in for Larry Warford over at right guard. So he's showing his versatility, and Eric McCoy is already starting to train up to be that uh, that starting center week one. So each of the rookies has really done what they've needed to do to stand out so far. Saquon Hampton had a pick early on in uh, offensive, or uh, sorry, not offensive, in uh, off-season training. Uh, and then 
Uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who is just an absolute steal for the Saints in the fourth round at pick 105, has been balling out. And he's been playing all over the place. They've had him at nickel. They've had him at gunner. He recovered a muffed punt by Alvin Kamara for a touchdown in minicamp last week. We're going to have to cut Alvin Kamara. Yeah, just get rid of him. You know Sean Payton doesn't mess around with special teams. Uh, just let him go. What you see bum. what happened with Mark Ingram. He fumbled right. those two times like three years benched, ago. Straight up just benched him, yo. Yeah. He was like, we're, like, sit down. Sit down. We got Tim Hightower. I'm not worried about you. <laughs> and then Tim Hightower like ran his behind off during that game, too. Dwayne Washington? Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Here we go. The rise of Dwayne Washington begins with a fumbled punt in offseason training. <laughs> by Alvin Kamara. No, Alvin Kamara's going to be just fine. Uh, but hopefully they're going to be pulling him off of returns with Marcus Sherrill's being there. So far, uh, in my question to Larry Holder a little while ago during the athletic Q&A was, you know, how's the return game looking? Because they really put a lot of emphasis with Darren Rizzi coming in as the new special teams coordinator. They put a lot of emphasis on the return game in particular, bringing in some guys like Marcus Sherrill, Cyril Grayson, who was actually an LSU student, LSU track star, played with the Seattle Seahawks for a little while. Then they also brought in... Uh, Assumption College returner and wide receiver Deontay Harris. And so there's a big competition there right now at running back. I mean, sorry, at returner. But apparently it's like Marcus Sherrill's and then field after that. And so Marcus Sherrill's is way ahead. And he's mainly a punt returner throughout his career. So hopefully we'll be able to keep away from seeing a lot of Alvin Kamara as a returner. Not that he's not good at it. It's just that you it's don't scary. want him. Get, yeah, you, you want him as your lead back guy. Like that's that's what his role is this year with Latavius Murray. Uh, and him heading up the backfield and more than likely you're going to see Alvin Kamara getting additional snaps as opposed to what he had uh, last season once Mark Ingram came back from the PED suspension so um, yeah I mean I mean it's been it's been a lot of the usual it seems like Jared Cook catches the first pass in every practice uh, which is kind of nice to see that chemistry developing quickly between he and Drew Brees I did a video not too long ago on the uh, All Saints Considered uh, YouTube page which is something that we started doing oh thank you I appreciate that Uh, yeah and um, that that was a lot of fun, just talking a little bit about it. I looked at the uh, tight end flood concept that they used to run with Jimmy Graham a lot, particularly during the 2011 season. I took the one from the Falcons game because I know how I, I know how it goes. And, and so I ran that one, and then we looked at last season's game against the, uh, it was the Raiders and the Chiefs game, the first game between those two teams, and they ran nearly the exact same concept and uh, just with a you know lesser quarterback in, in Derek Carr. Not that Derek Carr is a terrible quarterback, but he's no Drew Brees, right? And so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and so uh, I was just looking at how Jared Cook would be able to fit in a little bit with what they were doing with Jimmy Graham uh, throughout his time in New Orleans. Uh, you know, the Saints have been really fighting to get a tight end, pass catching tight end since 2015 when they traded Jimmy Graham away to, for Max Unger. And everything, and so I feel like they finally have it. I think Jerry Cook will be the next big time tight end there, and I think uh, I think we'll talk about it in a little bit. But uh, Elise Mack is somebody that has the potential to continue to develop behind Jared Cook as well. He's in a pretty ideal situation uh, coming into his rookie season out of Notre Dame and into New Orleans. Yeah, our our, uh, our whole nine sports meet. Justin Rochat, I uh, specifically wanted to hear about Alize Mack and if he's done anything like so far or what you, what you think he, he could become. For the yeah, team. He, he's had a few standout catches uh, throughout uh, minicamp and OTAs. I think that the big thing for him is that he's got great potential to step into the tight end three role for the season and make the 53-man roster, which would be an excellent start for him. And then that would put him behind Jared Cook, which would be expected, and then Josh Hill. And some people kind of, you know, they kind of chagrin a little bit when they hear about Josh Hill going above Elise Mack. But Josh Hill's ability as a blocker is really important to the Saints offense and very important to uh, Sean Payton. And in particular, pairing, being able to pair uh, Josh Hill and Taysom Hill on offense is actually really beneficial as well because they're both actually, even though Taysom Hill is a quarterback, you know, he's a little bit of everything. And so he's actually a really good run blocker as well. So being able to pair the two of them and sort of decoy Taysom Hill while having Josh Hill out there gives you two extra blockers on the field as well. And so I think that's going to keep him above Elise Mack, but I don't think that's going to keep Mack from seeing the field, if that makes sense. Do you, I mean, aren't they playing Taysom Hill at slot two now? Yeah, they're working about it slot in the in minicamp and in OTAs. They're also, and this is something that I think people are kind of just kind of shrugged at, but they're also working about as a holder in kicking situations as well, and that becomes important. Oh my god! I know it. I know it. You you know where I'm going. Fake god now. Yeah, exactly. And so you look at uh, Sean Payton's penchant for risk taking. 
and you look at his fourth down ability, you know, going for it on fourth, going for it, um, or, or faking field goals, things like that. That stuff is not out of the ordinary for a Sean Payton offense. Can and we get him out little... there kicking all onside kicks? <laughs> ambush, ambush Hill. <laughs> Um, yeah, man, I think that that's something that I that really caught my eye too was to see him there, and I think that you know we'll continue we'll watch it right during training camp if he continues to work as a holder, and then in preseason if he continues to work as a holder, it might signify them potentially adding that wrinkle of the fake kick in uh, the regular season because the thing that people don't tend to realize is that usually you've got Thomas Morstead out there, number six, who's your, your, your holder. And then the only way that you really have on the football field to tell the difference between Thomas Morstead and Taysom Hill is the name and number on the back of their jersey. But when it becomes a single digit, it's actually a little tough. Um, they actually have some, they have a lot of trouble sometimes. You'll see defenses quickly have to try to readjust because they'll come out onto a field and not be able to tell the difference between Drew Brees and Taysom Hill lining up at quarterback. And so when you think about the holder being a fairly insignificant focus for, you know, a special teams unit, they could potentially slip something by a defense if they time it up right. And Sean Payton would be the person, would be the coach to be able to pull something like that off. But yes, they also have been working him out at slot wide receiver, which I think is really funny watching him in his red don't touch me jersey out there running routes. Um, but he's made a couple of catches and everything. He's showing that he's got the hands to do it, which we kind of already knew anyway. Uh, the big thing is going to be getting him used to uh, you know, you're not going to really see Taysom Hill go out there and high point a pass, right? Mm-hmm. Um, contested catches are going to be a challenge for him, things like that. So that's what they're going to be working on throughout training camp with him. Man, he's literally going to be playing in every position. It's uh, yeah. insane. Yeah. I mean, whenever another O-line injury happens, just throw him in on left guard, I guess. I don't know. Right. He'll probably and, be able to do something. Yeah, and then we've seen him do, or we've seen what's happened. I mean, I'm working on an article right now about Sean Payton's influence on the NFL over his his time in uh, New Orleans since 2006. But one of the things that we're watching now is all of these other teams that are sort of, you know, they're grabbing their undrafted free agent quarterbacks that have, you know, a little bit of extra um, athleticism and things like that, whether that be people that are, you know, um, uh, what's his name? Fitzgerald that went over to Tampa Bay, and then you've got a couple of other folks as well. Nick Fitzgerald. Nick uh, Fitzgerald. The Giants picked up grungy Eric Dungy. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. The Bucks actually also worked out David Pindell from Connecticut, who is yep. he's another one. I even said I believe I was on the Locked On Bucks podcast, and I'm pretty sure I said that he could be like their Taysom Hill kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Trace McSorley is another one that could end up uh, finding his way into that role, even though, I mean, where did he go? He went to the Baltimore Ravens, right? Baltimore so they've got Ravens enough of that going on, but still. quarterback is already Taysom Hill, basically. So. Right, right. And then uh, the Chargers got somebody like that, too, uh, in the draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's, there's a few out there, you know, so you can see that wrinkle start to sort of perforate through all throughout the the NFL uh, and gain a little bit of popularity that slasher role that Cordell Stewart type build and so uh, it'd be interesting to watch it'd be interesting to see what Sean Payton is able to do with it going into this season after having all of 2018 and now a full training camp session and a full offseason session with Taysom Hill and then we'll see what happens on the defensive side with a guy like Caden Ellis who has the ability to move all around the defense as well but on the opposite side of the ball but then can also play tight end because he caught you know, 10 catches for 176 yards and two tu- and a touchdown uh, while he was at Idaho. So he's another wrinkle that they could throw in there as well. I'm glad that it's not going to be another thing like last season where we cut the entire draft class. I feel like everyone has a place on the 53-man roster. I agree. I agree 100%. I mean, you've got Eric McCoy. You're starting, essentially, you're starting center. Um, and if not, at worst, you're number two center. Uh, you've got uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who's going to be able to slip in as a nickelback role. That's where they've been working him out the most. And then you've, you know, even though they're seeing success with uh, PJ Williams and uh, Patrick Robinson, you're going to keep you're going to keep Chauncey Gardner-Johnson on that roster. And then you've got um, Saquon Hampton, who's going to be able to slip into the fourth safety role if he's able to beat out JT Gray in terms of being a special teamer, which I believe he'll be able to do. Elise Mack, as we discussed, tight end three. Caden Ellis has a pretty open spot moving into a sixth linebacker role. They tend to keep five or six going into the season the saints do so he's got that wide open spot there essentially the manti teo spot even though he might not find himself on game day active rosters at the beginning of the season he should be able to find his way to the 53 and then they've also been working out vince beagle who would otherwise be the fifth linebacker there outside
outside of Craig Robertson, but they've been working Vince Bico out at edge rusher. So if they decide to keep him as a defensive end, then that would, or they just, even if they keep him as a linebacker, but work him out as a defensive end, then that would get Caden Ellis some time on the field as a depth uh, linebacker, as well as a special teamer. This is, this is all very, uh, very, it's music to my ears. (laughs) <laughs> yeah I mean, you know i i know my audience here <laughs> uh, yeah it's bolson obviously <laughs> hey he said chauncey gardner johnson i was just like i was zoned in once he said that so i gotta tell you man chauncey gardner johnson is one of the most exciting draft picks that the saints have seen in a little while just his 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 ability is insane and his versatility as well i mean just his uh, he, he's such a smart player. He's got the attitude. He's got the he's got the perfect defensive back attitude. Somebody that can forget things quickly and carry his confidence through sixty minutes of a game. Um, he's a great teammate too. He's been he, there's tons of footage of him out there already, just out there like rooting on other guys that are you know on the second and third teams that are making plays outside of himself and everything he's been incredible about that um you know he did that interview not too long ago to where he talked about how the saint secondary is going to be unstoppable just by giving a nod to the guys like marshall and Lattimore, eli apple marcus williams von bell and everything he's he's really sort of not even sort of he's very much fitting into what the saints are and who the Saints are because the Saints are a team that allow their players to have a personality and that really sort of help to push that whether that be on social media which is where he's very active he's already tweeting like he's Michael Thomas as does uh, Kayvon Webster who was just signed as well and then so you look at all of that and then you look at you know this is the team that poses every time they get a turnover and you know tons of celebration the team that and started fun. yes the team that started the posing Right. Everything like that. The the locker room celebrations, everything. He's going to fit right in. And I know a lot of people look at that as, quote unquote, character concerns, but the confidence is actually going to serve him very, very well in New Orleans. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for you guys to uh, get to experience him during a rivalry game. Oh, because, you know, big Gator fan. And then right. when they played Florida State, he went to plant the flag, like the Florida flag in the middle of their field. I love it. And, like, Dan Mullen was, like, yelling at him to not do it. And he's like, come on, bro. Like, have some class. And Charles <laughs> was like, eh, though? <laughs> Man, good news for him. There is no such thing as class between New Orleans and Atlanta. Yeah, we can tell via everything that Atlanta does. <laughs> and uh, I like the lack uh, of class. You guys saying that you have a team that, lo- that allows their players to uh, have a personality off the field because the Giants had one of those and you know immediately got rid of them traded him away for a nose tackle yeah which I believe is what you said on Locked on Saints when you came through (laughs) yeah I've said that I said that on a a few podcasts every every time that I because I did like right after the draft I did like four podcasts in a week and every one of them Mm -hmm. they were just like so what do you think about the Giants and Dexter Lawrence? And it's like, even with Locked on Bucks, they were like, so what do you think about the Giants draft class? And it's like, dude, don't even start with me. Like, I'm done. It's going to be the most dull team ever. That's the way Pat Shermer wants it. <laughs> Jeez. And David Gettleman. They built their team... In their own Fuck image. Dave Gettleman. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it to Pat Shermer. I was like, okay, like Pat Shermer's okay. I'll let it slide. Sure, like sure. And then Ross just had to bring up Dave Gettleman. It's like, <laughs> I can't not say that. <laughs> Man, it really just makes me feel blessed. I love everyone in our front office. We get it. You have Mickey Loomis. Uh, yeah. Gail and Gail Benson, Kai Hartley, like all these other guys too. Even when you go down to like the assistant coaches and everything, like Saints fans have a lot to be appreciative of, and Saints fans in particular, just be being knowledgeable about the team to that extent. You know, the love and appreciation for for coaches like Mike Nolan, Darren Rizzi, uh, Aaron Glenn, uh, so on and so forth. Like uh, Dan Campbell, you know, everybody was like up in arms about like you, you better not take Dan Campbell away from us, Cleveland. Like all of that, everything. Even Terry Fontenot when he was interviewing with the Jets, I, got so I saw I saw a ton of Saints fans on Twitter just like I don't know who Terry Fontenot is, but you better not be able, you better not take him. And then once everybody figured out like, oh okay, no, he was a part of that draft class and that draft class and that draft class. Like oh word, no, you for real cannot have him. 
Um, and I love that. And, um, you know, it, it's it, it's an exciting thing to be able to, uh, you know, represent and speak to a fan base on a daily basis that is that passionate and that knowledgeable about about its team and that the team reciprocates it. You know, I, I feel 100 percent where you're coming from, Bulls, and just the understanding of like how a team, how a fan base can be passionate about a team, but a team lacks the passion for its fan base sometimes. And that kind of sucks. With the Saints, you really just see it's a it's a two way street. Yeah. Yeah, no, we don't have that. Uh, it's weird because Giants fans, of course, I am a Giants fan. I don't feel this way, but a lot of Giants fans feel as though they deserve explanations when things happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember someone went at Matt Miller one day about when there were Odell rumors. Uh huh. And uh, the fan was just like, we deserve an explanation. Like he, like Herman needs to tell us what he's thinking. And it's like, who the fuck do you think you are? Like, wow. You don't. You don't deserve an explanation. You can right. shut the hell up and sit back. You're a fan. Like you don't get a say in their day to day operations. Yeah, that's a little much. That's that's a lot of entitlement. Um, and I can tell you, like, just from witnessing Matt Miller's work. He's not the one to come to like that. Like, no, not at all. <laughs> Matt will tell you straight up, like, nah, <laughs> you don't deserve anything, actually. You don't even deserve to be tweeting at me right now. Uh, yeah, that's a little much. That's a little Matt much. Matt straight up just like, what the fuck? No, they don't. Then that's the stupidest move ever because then everybody knows what they're planning on doing. So why right. do that? Right. Oh, man. Uh, speaking of uh, needing uh, like rea- reactions to uh, to moves made... This one more positive. Sorry, that was a great segue. That's I don't great. care what you say. Um, Congrats, you then ruined it by patting yourself on the back. I was being sarcastic because it wasn't a good segue. Um, <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Um, Cameron Jordan, the future oh. face of the franchise, oh. just got a huge contract extension. What's your react? I can already tell your reaction. Just I haven't even finished saying it. Yeah, I think Ross just had to go change his pants real quick. <laughs> so, it's all good. Um, no, I love the move. Um, obviously, I mean, of course, you know, like you said, Cameron Jordan's future face of the franchise. He's already sort of the face of the defense uh, as is, and he's already. I would consider myself. I would consider him one of the faces of the franchise. He's myself, one of the faces you know of the I mean? city. Like, yeah, for real. Like yeah, every absolutely. day, he's tweeting about others, like the Pelicans news. Like anything happening in New Orleans, it's just it's it's crazy seeing the connection that this team has to the city, not just its fans. Yeah, absolutely. Like um, he's he's so sort of ingrained and entrenched in the culture of the city and everything. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, for, for a while, I considered the Jared Cook signing the best move for the Saints this offseason. Now, without a doubt, and like no hesitation at all, it's the, it's the Cameron Jordan extension. And, and there's a couple of reasons why. I mean, you lock up Cameron Jordan throughout 2023. Uh, you essentially bring him exactly what it was that he said he wanted to do, which was be a lifer. He wanted the opportunity to chase Ricky Jackson's uh, career Saints franchise all-time sack record. Um he really, really wanted to be able to do that and stay in New Orleans. He was drafted there in 2011, and he wanted to stay. And so they essentially run him through uh, 34 by the time that his ex- his this extension expires. 24. Doesn't kick in. Uh, no, no, no. He'll be 34. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, it's all good. Um, and so he'll he'll have at that point maybe one more one year contract if he wants it maybe two more years potentially depends on if he goes on some type of like i don't know frank gore kind of a career tear or cameron wake cameron wake tear yeah no that's exactly right uh so it depends on what it is that happens with him but they essentially grant him exactly what it was that he wanted and in return he granted the saints exactly what they what he said he would which was that he wasn't focused on being the highest paid uh defensive end in the league and right now when the extension kicks in in 2021 he'll become the fourth highest paid defensive end 
in 2019, if that makes sense. Because that number's only gonna go up over the next two years by the time that his extension actually kicks in and he really goes up to $17.5 million. Because his contract extension came with a restructure, and so he's not really making a ton more money this year or next year. I think he's around the $9 million, $10 million range this year and next. And then the extension really becomes official in 2021 where he goes up to 17 and a half. And so you're looking at a guy that's a top five defensive end in terms of his statistics since he came into the league in 2011. And right now, in terms of total cash, he's paid like the 15th or 14th highest in 2019 uh, as a defensive end at, at, at his position. And so he's done exactly what it is that he said he was going to do. He wanted to be a lifer. He wanted to stay in New Orleans, and he didn't really care about the money. And he showed everybody that. And because the, the other reason why I think this is the most important move by the Saints this offseason is because they have a lot of other players coming up for restructure. Michael Thomas is potentially next on the list, according to Sean Payton, who referenced that during, who uh, oddly, candidly, really openly <laughs> referenced the fact that, just for him, for his personality, just reference the fact that Michael Thomas is probably next and that, you know, Mickey Loomis in the front office are probably already working on an extension and stuff, which was just way, way, way out of the ordinary for a Sean Payton, like a Sean Payton press conference. Um, and then they've got a ton of other players, Marcus Williams, Von Bell, uh, Alvin Kamara. These are all guys. Marshawn Lattimore. <clears throat> right. So the first three are guys that won't get um, any kind of a fifth-year uh, option. And then you've got Marshall Lattimore and uh, Ryan Ramchick who do get a fifth-year option, but they're going to be pricey fifth-year options because of their position. And so you have all of that money that has to go to these players if you want to try to maintain the team as much as you can. Oh, plus not to mention a potential next quarterback to sign in Teddy Bridgewater. And so seeing Cam Jordan say, I'm going to take a lesser amount of money to stick with the team that I want to play with will hopefully create some influence for some of those other guys uh, going into their extension talks. I don't think it's going to factor into Michael Thomas because Michael Thomas is a top, I, I would even say Alvin Kamara too, they're top three. They deserve as much money as they want. <laughs> exactly right, exactly right. But guys like Eli Apple who had his fifth year option declined by the Saints so that they could restructure a lesser contract because otherwise he was going to go up to like, I can't remember the exact number, but he was going to be Jalen Ramsey status on a fifth year option. And so everybody was kind of like, eh, not so much. <clears throat> and so they declined his fifth year option, but he's intent on working towards an extension. But Cam Jordan's um, Cam Jordan's extension and the amount that he chose to take will hopefully influence some of these other guys. It's really uh, beautiful to see him following in Drew Brees' footsteps uh, <laughs> to a T. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh, oh man! So now that we've talked about uh, just some 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 of the happenings some of the goings-ons with the uh with the saints so mm -hmm. far this offseason um we do have a football season coming up quite soon and i love it i love that yeah, i love that it's, it's right not that far away this right. is the oh man football season the best time of the year <laughs> I, I can't agree. wait i can't wait i agree that and free agency to me are extremely exciting the draft Free agency draft, yeah, that that section so exciting. I th really, it's all year round because right now we have mini camps and like, uh, like all that stuff about to happen, and I'm just like, oh, it all gets me so giddy. Yeah. Um, so what we want to do right now is go through and get a uh, get a preseason uh, prediction of the Saints' schedule okay. from you. Um, so do you have it in front of you, or do you, I mean I can read it off to you because I have it in front of no, me? No, I've got. I've got the schedule here. All right, cool. So we got week one, Monday Night Football versus the Texans. Now, bear in mind that the Saints struggle a lot in September, and they have ever since the new CBA agreement that allows them, or that, that rather not allows them, but restrains the amount of full contact practices that they can have. And so they haven't won, uh, with the exception of last, no, even last season they dropped one. So they haven't mm -hmm. won to the their first, yep, their first game of the season in some seasons. I can't remember how many it was. I think it was five, four or five seasons in a row. Um, and so I think that this is when that finally changes. Uh, you're talking about a team that is mostly the same as it was last season with some key additions. The only major subtractions being Max Unger and um, and Mark Ingram. But I think that those are two that they're going to be able to recover from. And, you know, the Max Unger one doesn't hurt because he retired and, you know, he was at the end of his career. That makes sense. Right. So it's not like a big culture shock type of a thing. Mm -hmm. So I think that they'll be able to bounce back from those and they'll play the Texans who also 
uh, tend to struggle a little bit in their opening portion of the season. And so the Saints really break their stuff down into quarters, the way that they look at their seasons, four games apiece. And so I'm going to say a win on this game. It's the opening Monday night game. It's a primetime game. Drew Brees has played like 17 primetime games in his life, in his career, and has thrown over 5,400 yards, over 50 touchdowns, and like I, single-digit interceptions, maybe just over 10 interceptions. So if basically he we'll double digits at all. Season. Right. He's he's played 17 of those games and has put up nearly uh, you know his usual, or let me say his top season marks mm-hmm. throughout those primetime games. And so I think that that will continue through um, and the Texans who have had a lot more player turnover than the Saints will be you know, fighting for communication and things like that. And so I could see them finally winning an opening game this season against the Texans at opening night Monday Night Football. Uh, be a, that is going to be a, a, a sight to behold. I thought, I really sure. thought last year. And it's at home. I really thought last year was going to be our year versus the Buccaneers. Oh, I know it. I know it. Everybody was. Oh, and then, and then you know, Jameis Winston didn't start. It was going to be oh Ryan Fitzpatrick. And everybody was like, oh, it's going to be Gucci. It's going to be totally fine. And then 48 41. So <laughs> what are you what are you gonna do? Never, uh, never and, doubt Fitzpatrick. Never doubt Fitzpatrick. And at the same time, never trust Fitzpatrick. You kind of just have to go into a Fitzpatrick game and go, you know what? Whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. Because you just never know. You never know with that dude. Um, and I also should mention that that home game is uh, at home. I'm sorry, that that opening night game is at home as well. Yeah. Fitzpatrick, every time he touches the field, is kind of like, it's one of those situations where you're like, hope for the best, but like be prepared for the worst possible outcome. Every time he touches the field, that's just you have to go with that mindset. So whenever yeah. whenever Fitzpatrick comes on the field, you're either getting Drew Brees or you're getting Nathan Peterman. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Um. So this is a this is going to be a game that's going to be very close to a lot of Saints fans' hearts. Week two, at the Los Angeles Rams. Hold on, before you get into that, scale of one to ten for the both of you, how pissed are you still about that? No, eleven, twelve, thirteen, twenty. <laughs> how pissed? How pissed am I still? Like like today? I'm still mad about it. it. You you really just you just reignited it in me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like I only get mad about it when I think about it. Uh, I try no, not no, to no. think about it. I I mean I would say I'm probably maybe like a seven or maybe a seven. Do I still want a replay? Yes, but that's besides the point. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm I'm kind of in that place of like. Yeah, he should have thrown, like, a flag should have been thrown. Yes, it threw off the course of the rest of the game. Yes, the Saints had another chance, but kind of irrelevant. Um, And then at the same time, I'm like, you know what? It happened. The teams moved past it. I'm happy to move past it. And especially, like, covering the Saints and talking about them every single day on wax. I I don't want to focus all my energy on that. I want to bring the listeners something that they want to hear. And so that kind of helped me move past it pretty quickly as well. 100%. You know what I mean? I really, I, I haven't thought about it in probably uh, since like the week or two after it happened. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just, it's past us. We have a, this beautiful season to look ahead at. Oh, for people that don't know, shout out to Dylan for doing a Cheddar News uh, interview about the, the no call and maintaining composure all throughout. Shout out you. There we go. I, I I did it. I did it for the squad. We appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> How much more pissed would you have been if the Rams would have won the Super Bowl after that, though? I would, I didn't care about that Super Bowl at all. That that Super Bowl had. I was I was at a Super Bowl party. We spent most of the time not paying attention. That was the most boring Super Bowl. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's hard to say, honestly. Uh, I feel like I would still be in the same place, and I still would have been in the same place with uh, just, like, don't care. Because, like, I I took work that night, too, so I was like, I'm just not even going to engage in all this craziness. And so, like, I didn't even have anything to do with it. Um, And so, uh, but had they won, uh, I don't know. I can't say I would have been more... I can't say I would be more or less upset had they won. We get it, Ross. You live in Los Angeles, so you're a Rams fan. Uh, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Are you gonna? You should go. You should go to this game. Oh, I will. I'll okay, be there. good. Yeah, yeah, I'm planning to be there. As long as my show doesn't extend, I'll be there. All right, good. 
Uh, so so Ram Saints at Rams week two the redemption game it, you're gonna see replays of of uh, of that play multiple times. Yep. Um, it's gonna be like uh, shout out to all my LSU listeners uh, the Billy Cannon run on oh uh, my Halloween God. night. Yes. <laughs> Good lord! Oh, talk about reigniting a fire! Oh my goodness! <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Can we get your prediction on Saints at Rams? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that this is a Saints win. I think it's a close game, but I think that they grind this out. I mean, they've shown that they can beat this team already. We saw it in a regular season last season. It's a very early game. Both teams are going to be working on communication and stuff like that. They're both going to be very run-focused games, and I think that this game sort of lives and dies by Todd Gurley's joints basically um and the saints run defense and the saints are going to struggle on run defense probably for the first quarter of the season or so until they get their communication down on the defensive line where sheldon rankin's not there but with malcolm brown mario edwards they've got pretty good role players there they're going to be able to do more than just play a role but that are going to be able to step in and make a difference uh, so i'm going to give this one to the saints too i think they can start this season 2-0 i also think that it's just the fire behind this as well but don't forget like this is a big type revenge game too for the rams even though they won the game in the uh, in the uh, nfc championship this is still kind of a revenge game for them because they need to prove that they deserved to win that game you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so there's a fire for both sides and i think it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch but i but the game to me comes down to the saints run game versus the rams defense and the rams run game versus the saints defense and for that reason i give it to the saints at this point bearing in mind i don't know what the 50 man 53 man roster even looks like at this point but regardless i would still Taking the information that I have so far throughout this offseason and what we saw from last season, I would still give this one to the Saints based on the success that they can have on the ground. I'm looking at this at this the schedule and man, that we play a lot of teams I really dislike. Yeah. Um, and I have a lot of bad blood with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so speaking of uh, that, week three, Saints start two and zero. They're going to Seattle. Um, to play the Seahawks. I give this one an L for the Saints. Um, it's still very tough to go into Seattle and play. Uh, it's it's a very rough environment. And, you know, Russ Wilson's coming in with his you know new shiny contract and his brand new personality ever since he got paid. Like his <laughs> voice is different. Everything's <laughs> mad different about him. Uh, so he's been a little weird. And so I think that's going to translate to the football field as well. Uh, you know, he's got a new weapon in uh, DK Metcalf as well, even though he lost out on Doug Baldwin after this season. Uh, Tyler Lockett really, really kind of came out of his shell over these last two seasons. I think he'll continue to grow in 2019 and uh the seattle defense is not too shabby and so uh they really turned it on toward the end of the season and made some you know some okay offseason moves and things like that, even though they lost earl thomas but that was to be expected um i think that the saints struggle a lot when they go to seattle i think that them only having to travel now 940 miles to get to seattle because they're going to go directly to washington from los angeles is going to be a plus for them but i still think that just the environment of playing in seattle is going to make a very big difference for the saints and uh, i could see them taking an l in this one but two and one's not a bad way to start off this season no not at all not at all um and uh, so they get they leave seattle and uh, there, here's a team that I think, I think all three of us can agree that uh, we don't like. Fuck this team. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you feel about them, Ross. I really <laughs> dislike the Cowboys with all of my heart. Yeah. Um. So me and me and Bolson can agree on that. Uh. So the there. I remember last year's game. Very frustrating. Uh, it was one of the worst games I've ever watched. Just you know. You watched it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I sat through that. Uh, that was tough. Um, I'm not a big fan of the Cowboys, and uh, my friends Ricardo and uh, DB probably know that much strongly than, much more strongly than anybody else as they are both Cowboys fans, oh. and we've had this conversation a couple <laughs> times. Uh, but uh, I, I would give the Saints... So there used to be, there was a statistic that existed. I can't remember what it is anymore, but it hasn't been really that present over the last few seasons. But teams that go to Seattle and play tend to, you know, there was a time to where you go to Seattle, you play, you probably lose in Seattle. And then you always, and then teams would always seem to lose the next game after playing Seattle. Um, 
I, that hasn't been as much of an issue for home games over these last couple of years. So that's one of the reasons why I give the Saints a win here. Let's this is it. another primetime game. This is against Dallas at home in New Orleans. Even though it's coming off for the Seattle game, uh, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal because they'll be at home. And that's what the statistics have shown here recently. And Dak is not great away from uh, AT&T. And he's going to really struggle, I think, in uh, the Supernome in particular. And uh, so I would give the Saints a win here. You really could have stopped it at Dak is not great right Dak's not great uh saints win there we go there you go um speaking of the buccaneers we (laughs) talked about him earlier at some point um (laughs) week five now that was massive (laughs) masterful Masterful. (laughs) (laughs) that thing we talked about 17 minutes ago let's let's reference that uh the buccaneers with uh devin white devin white the uh brings okay i just speaking of devin white there was a there was some like all NFC South like team. Uh, I, oh man! I and know. they already have Devin White as the best linebacker in the NFC South. They also did a three four front, which made no <laughs> sense for the no NFC sense. South at all. <laughs> oh man! That was the worst yeah. list I've ever seen. That was really bad. And I think they had like they had like CMC over over Camara, um, and then they had. Uh, they didn't even have. They had Kwan Short over Gerald McCoy at nose tackle and stuff. It was it was a weird list. It was very weird. I think they had like Grady Jarrett in there as well. Uh, in it as a three four defensive end who would be terrible as a three who has been terrible as a three four defensive end and as a run stopper in his career. Like just I don't know. That list sucked. That was a terrible <laughs> list. Wait, um, they had Devin White as the top linebacker, or he was like. He was one of the two middle linebackers. Okay, because if they had him over Luke Keekley, you need to never no, pay attention. Yeah. Came up with that list. Yeah, it was but he me. and Luke Keekley in the middle. And then they had Levante David and who was the other linebacker on the outside? Um I can't remember who the other one was. I think it was but Shaq Thompson, if I'm if I'm if I'm remembering it correctly. Yeah, it might have been. Like no Demario Davis, uh no Alex Anzalone love. Uh, then they had Levante David, who like might play football again. Like, it's weird. That was a weird list. I don't know why yeah. that got me so heated. But I mean, I love Devin White, and I want him to succeed. My uh, my friend did uh, did the glass for his horse trailer. Oh, dope. For, for Daisy May, yeah. And my friend had no idea who he was, so Devin White really took a liking to him. That's awesome. Uh, he he was like, shut up. He's like. Yeah, so you play football, right? How much you make? He was like, "Yeah, I just signed like a five million dollar signing bonus." Oh, dude, just got paid. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, good for him, man. Yeah, it's exciting to see him succeed for sure. Um, but of course, as all with all good LSU players, it's going to be in the NFC South. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Buccaneers, so um, week five, Saints play at home versus the Buccaneers. What do you think? Uh, I would give the Saints a win here. I know they struggled. They struggle against the Bucks. They tend to split that series, but I think this is the one that's a win for them. Um, if they were to lose one of the two, this one's at home. It's their first regular sort of like noon game. <laughs> um, the other three are like national. Oh, four. Or the other four. Yeah, you're right. They're all national time slots or potential national time slots. The three twenty-five games. And I love how three. few noon games we have. I hate that you guys are calling them noon games. I just want to point that. Yeah, out. yeah. Welcome, welcome to Central Time, homie. Hot games. <laughs> welcome to Central Time, homie. Um, yeah, yeah. So those, you know, mid mid afternoon games, if you will, um, or morning if you're in Pacific Time. But who gives a crap about that? Uh, and so it's for me, this is a win for the Saints. Uh, you know, and and it's on Fox, and the Saints won almost every game they played on Fox last season. So you know, I'm, I'm willing to dig up any any superstition I can. You can also not tell me that there is a better time zone for sports viewing than Central Time Zone. You, like, there's no argument. Yeah, you kind of get to do the whole wake up to pregame show, and then by the time you're ready to go to bed, the uh, the final game is over. There's yeah, like, like no the gap. Late, like the games start at noon, and the last game starts at seven twenty, like seven seven twenty. It's beautiful, yeah. and you like you can go to bed I, at I normal time for Monday. I think Pacific Time's got it pretty good. Yeah, well, but it I'll starts way too early. I'm not worried. I'm not worried about the 10 a.m. games because I'm I'm not 13. I don't need to sleep until two o'clock anymore. I no, but the thing that's watch the game if I want to watch it. Yeah, the thing that stinks about the 10 a.m. games though is that like I like to cook 
a huge meal before the football games. Like I'm usually cooking like gumbo or jambalaya or something like that before the Sunday games. And then so having a 10 a.m. start time just means that I have to get up by like six in order to cook a prop or something or another. You know what I mean? With a noon game, I don't have to really do anything until like eight and that's fine. Uh, but it's it's the cooking part of it, you know, the, the beginning of the day that's a little bit tougher on the Pacific time zone. It also depends on like what team you're a fan of. Because if you think right. about it, if you're on Pacific time and you're watching like a Rams game, they usually play 425 Eastern. So they're normally right. playing like 125 Pacific. So yeah, you have true. all that time. But since you're a fan of a team that's in the southeast area, right? it's like, well, different time zones kind of mess that up. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It, it's it's really all about who you who you like. Or if you're just somebody that likes football and just wants to watch football games all day. My main thing is that like you could watch a game and or you could watch like the night games and it's what, like eight o'clock for you? Like you're not staying up late when there's I mean yeah. I'm I'm in you're I'm not in, up until midnight. I'm taking in the entire football weekend, so like I start Saturday morning college game day and then it's right. football until the end of Sunday night football. Yeah. Like I and then, and then after Dylan's, dark and then Dylan's ready for bed. And then yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I I I I am very cuz I used I did the, I did the Eastern time zone for a little bit and I liked it a lot less. Yeah. The only thing is waking up early for game day now because that I mean what is it start like 9 a.m. It's too early for me. <laughs> I like to. I like to sleep. Up. <laughs> nah, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna be used to it now because I work at eight a.m.s now. So, like a normal human adult, don't like it. That's fair. Um. So we are still talking about football. Um. <laughs> so week six, the wild card team every year. You don't know if they're gonna be spooky or terrible. The Jacksonville Jaguars. We're gonna be going to Duval. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And uh, and playing playing the Jags. Yeah, I'm gonna see if I can speed up my answers here a little bit. Um, for this one, I'm gonna give the Saints a win here as well. I just find the Jaguars to be dysfunctional at this point. We'll see what happens after the season begins. It's a uh, quick and easy. Uh, another team I have some hatred in my heart for goes way back to to the one fan that had the sign that said, "We'll finish what Katrina started." The Chicago Bears. That. God, it still gets me upset every time. I hate that. Me too. Um, I, I hate any of that. I saw somebody on Twitter talking crap like that today. The too, Falcons do it all the like, time. Falcons so, fans do it all the time. It's, it's not ridiculous. cool. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, Bears. This is another one that has the potential to be a, uh, a national game in terms of game of the week. Um, it's going to be a really tough game, I think. It's going to be a good game for sure. It's not a winter game, which I think is going to be very important for the Saints. Um, not just because the Saints might struggle in whatever kind of weather. Like, let's not forget the fact that Drew Brees played college at Purdue, for God's sake. But the big thing is that it's it's treacherous to play in Soldier Field in December, no matter who you are, mm-hmm. unless you are the Bears. Um, I would look at this as the Saints' second loss as of right now. Um, I just feel like the Bears are just one of those teams that are going to really go on a tear early on in the season before midseason, and I think they're going to be right in the heat of that once the Saints go to Chicago. I could see the Bears being potentially, you know, uh, what is this week seven? I don't remember. I don't know when they're. I don't remember when their bye week is, but I could see them, you know, as a one loss team at this point and trying to continue to keep their foot on the gas. And there's a lot of talk about what the Saints and Bears would have been as an NFC game, as an NFC playoff game, which, yeah, it really would have been. Um, And I think that this is just one that's going to have a lot of hype around it. And I could see the Saints dropping this one for their second loss of the season. And then week eight, the Saints are going to beat the Cardinals. Week nine is about yeah. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, right. no, but but you're right. But you're right. Like I can keep this one quick too. Like this is a win for the Saints against the Cardinals. Uh, Sean Payton was asked early on in the season or in the off season about teams making these big offensive minded coach hires, and he said that he believes that a lot of teams made mistakes that he can't wait to take advantage of. This is that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I I want to see Cameron Jordan go into double digits pass breakups. Versus Kyler Murray. <laughs> oh, I say something about Kyler Murray's height at some point. He does not have that many passes broken. Up. I know. I just, I just like, I just, it's like making fun of him. Um, because I'm not short, so I can make those kind of jokes, you know. 
hilarious. Um, week nine, bye week. Hopefully, we don't lose that one. It's gonna be really, <laughs> really highly fall really, battle. Embarrassing. Uh, really embarrassing. Week ten, the Saints beat the Falcons. Uh, week <laughs> okay again. No, I think you're. I think you're right there. Uh, so the Saints are six and two at this point by what I've done so far. Coming off the bye week, Sean Payton's been really, really good off the bye week with some things that he's taken away from Bill Parcells. I think that this is a win for the Saints, but I expect them to split this series. Spoiler alert! So, Spoiler uh, alert! Oh so, my god, you already yeah. ruined it. I know. So seven two. Uh, week eleven at the Buccaneers. Uh, this one, like I said, I could see the Saints splitting this Buccaneers series. I just don't see them doing it this season. I think the Saints take a sweep of the Bucks this year, uh, who are going to struggle this season. They have so much travel mileage this offseason. And this is right in the middle of, or right at the end of their, like, eight, like, their six games that they play. I, I can't remember how it works. I think this is the first game back at Raymond James Stadium after being away for like six games or something oh, like that's that. Disgusting. Because their only other home game in that other stretch is London, so it sucks. Oh. It's like, yeah, dude, their schedule sucks. Them and the Raiders got absolutely fleeced in their schedule. So yeah, the Bucks have their other home game in London, and that is against the Panthers, I believe. So Gerald uh-huh. McCoy doesn't even play in Raymond James Stadium the year that he left them. Oh, that's absurd because I know Bucks fans are probably chomping at the bit to see him again, and right. now they're not going to get to. So Bucks fans really got robbed too. Also, yet another reason that Gerald McCoy should have chosen New Orleans. Just saying, yeah. Just saying. I mean, he wanted to go to a contender, though, so... <laughs> Oh. Speaking of Jared McCoy, isn't he also vegan though? Like I'm pretty sure. He- whoa, 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 whoa. There's some I, heavy. I too, I too am vegan. That no, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying oh, it okay. kind of sounded like you yeah, were saying yeah. it was a bad that, thing. That tone though, it, that it, tone like, though. Isn't he a <laughs> vegan though? Because but go ahead. Go ahead. Is like, wouldn't that? I don't know. Isn't there just a lot of food in New Orleans that he'd just be like missing out on, and he wouldn't want to? Um. Like, yeah. Yeah, but there's a ton of vegan. I don't know where I was going to yeah, go of... but I was going somewhere. Like... No, I understand that. I understand that. It's where you're like, you know, in order to really enjoy New Orleans, can you be vegan? And the answer is now, yes. Like, there's a ton of vegan options in New Orleans. Uh, I don't know about Carolina, on the other hand, uh, but certainly maybe in, like, Winston-Salem around the university, but that would be the only place I can think of in Carolina that would be good to get vegan food. That's also the only place in Carolina I've ever been. So, uh, But, yeah, New Orleans has some options for them. Should he have chosen us? Um, and he he might get a a chance to uh, to try those out, try those places out. Week twelve, <laughs> Panthers are going to New Orleans. Yeah, so I see this one as a win for the Saints as well. I think this really sets them up to be in good position to essentially be very close to sealing off the NFC South by this point. Uh, the Saints play, this is their third straight NFC South game at this point. They're about to go into their fourth on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, I think that this is a really important stretch for them, just like the first four games of the season. I talked about how the Saints like to split up their schedule into quarters, and they really focus on it that way. Uh, this is a big part of that third quarter of the season, and I think that they can come out of this quarter of the season 3-1 and one and be in a good shape. Um, so what are we now at 9-2? and two? Uh, Yes. Saints are at 9-2 now. Uh, going into the spoil the spoiled game, week mm-hmm. week thirteen Thanksgiving Day versus the Falcons. Yeah, yeah. So this is nine and three now. I just think that uh, the Thanksgiving game at the whatever Mercedes Benz generic dome or whatever it is, they're just the it, dome. Yeah. Oh my God, that stadium. Um, yeah, so I, I could see them going in here and potentially just running away with this game, but right now I look at it as splitting the series with the Falcons, uh, and this game makes sense as an opportunity to do that. It also sort of complicates the matter of the NFC South for the Saints, but I think that they can still walk away with winning uh, the division. They're actually going to be able to use that Chick-fil-A. Oh, I yeah, because it's on a... Well, I don't know. I don't know, because it's Thanksgiving Day. Are they going to be open <sighs> for the holiday? Oh, that's a good one. I don't know. Maybe tough. Maybe tough. The reason I saw this one as a loss is just the short rest. I don't know what the Falcons' schedule is, so I don't know if they have the same little four-day break. uh, Yeah, that's also a good point. I can imagine going on the road with a four-day break is really killer. So uh, 
that's the reason I thought this was going to be a loss. Yeah, whether or not they beat them in the first matchup. Yeah, that makes sense too. I mean, and you also look at them traveling to Tampa Bay, back to New Orleans, and then to Atlanta for this game on the short rest. Um, that's another reason why this one looks like a loss for sure. Um, yeah, it's it's the exact same schedule. They 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 have the like not the exact like as in week nine by and then um, coming back with the, the, the NFC South. Yeah, coming back against the NFC South teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do play one more. They so yeah, it's actually the same exact. There's two by games in that four game stretch for them as well. Yeah. The good news for the Saints, though, is that that's the only Thursday night game that they play this season is the as that one Thanksgiving uh, game. Unlike last season, where they played a Thursday game and then a Thanksgiving game and then a Sunday game. Um, and then so after that, nine and three, they go again. They go into the last the four game stretch to end the season. Week fourteen versus the Forty ers uh, so last season, the Saints lost in week 13 as well and then maintained, uh, be, were able to get back on track throughout the season, even though they struggled. Uh, I could see them doing the same thing this season, losing week 13 and then getting back on track. And it starts with San Francisco at home. Uh, first time that we, I think it's the first time we see Jimmy Garoppolo in the Superdome. Uh, although, you know, had Sean Payton had his way a few years ago, we would have been watching Jimmy Garoppolo in the Superdome for years already, uh, or not years already already but we would be waiting to do it for years to come and so uh, i think that the saints can take this one at home although i expect shanahan's offense to be really really good this season especially with the addition of debo samuel and they'll give the saints defense maybe some problems but the lack of run game there uh even with tevin coleman who the saints have shown that they know how to handle should be you know manageable all right and then we got a uh week 15 another uh primetime game ESPN, Monday Night Football versus the Colts. Yeah, this one's big. I mean, the Saints in the last three games that they played against the Colts, they won uh, 27-21 in 2015, 23-17 in 2014, and then 62-7 in 2011. <laughs> so as much as I would love to see it be 62-7 and seven again, I think Andrew Luck is going to be one of the top quarterbacks this season. This is going to be a big-time shootout, but it's, I'm not going to ever bet against the Saints at prime, during prime time at home, so I'm going to give this one to the Saints as well. Alrighty, so we're winding it down. Week 16 uh, at the Tennessee Titans. Uh, yeah, so they have to go to Tennessee for this one in December. This one seems like one of those games that, I mean, at this point, they're sitting on a pretty pretty nice record, 12-2 and two at this point, or are we down to 11-3? and three? We're down to 11-3. Oh, 12-2 and two still. Are we? 11-3. 11-3, yeah, because of, of the Week 13 loss. So this is one to where like the Saints are in pretty good position to win the NFC at this point if they can close out the rest of the season and get to 13-3. and three. Um, I don't see them getting to 13-3, and three, but I also don't see them dropping this game, so I take this one as a win, even though it's going to be a little bit colder out there in Tennessee. I just expect that Marcus Mariota and the Titans will find a way to crap themselves in the late part of the season like they usually do. Alrighty, and so sitting at uh, thirteen and two. Uh, well, no, no. Twelve and three. Twelve and three. Twelve and three. Um, the the Saints go in to um, Panthers, probably led by Teddy Bridgewater at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think happens week seventeen? Uh, I think they drop week seventeen. Uh, I think that this is one of those ones too, to where you know they're in position to win the NFC, but it becomes less important than having their starters in the playoffs. They know that they are going to the playoffs at this point because they will have won the division. Um, I don't see them really pushing Drew Brees at that point or Michael. Oh my God. His own record again, things like that. Um, but I see them dropping this one and going 12 and four for the season led by Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, but Teddy Bridgewater would be much better come 2020 uh, when he's playing behind a fully established Saints offensive line. Yeah, and so that does it uh, for the Saints regular season. Do you, do you think do you think the, that we're going to get to see the Saints in the Super Bowl this year? Uh, yeah, yeah. For me, it's uh, it's Saints and Bears NFC Championship game. I can see the Rams falling off a little bit this season, uh, but we'll see what happens. It might just be wishful thinking. Uh, but I could see the Saints and Bears finally getting there. 
you know, their shot at the NFC title and then uh, going on to play against probably the Tom Brady-led Patriots again, although I wouldn't mind watching Patrick Mahomes uh, play in the Super Bowl. Or uh, Baker Mayfield. coming season, or Baker Mayfield. But at the same time, my ideal Super Bowl for this season is Drew Brees versus Tom Brady. 100%. Yeah. All right, well, I think that... That, I think that doesn't. Um, we 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 talked about the Saints preseason. We we went over week by week what to expect for the season. Um, thank you so much for Ro- thank you so much Ross for coming on. Oh, of obviously. course, yeah. um, of course. Go listen to Locked On Saints for more Saints content. It's probably my favorite, second favorite. I forgot we do one now. Second favorite sports <laughs> podcast. Out That's there. the right answer. That's the right answer. Um, Oh, but yeah, and you're the we're third looking for now. a new co-host. Uh, just want to point that out. Say again. Dylan, we're oh. looking for a new co-host here. So, <laughs> Dylan doesn't even love his own podcast. Well, no. I gotta tell you, I don't know if I would ever be able to match up to Dylan's segues. Listen, uh, so... speaking of segues, <laughs> <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at at Dilly Sanders. You can follow Ross on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. Also, read more of his stuff on allsaintsconsidered.com and my stuff and uh, all the beautiful people over there on staff. And uh, real quick, um, hashtag Segway Sanders. Ha- Segway Sanders. Oh, my <laughs> God. I'm doing this. It's it. This is it. This is my calling. <laughs> and, of course, my co-host, as always, Brandon Olson on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Quick Ross, who do you think has the worst Twitter handle? Me or Brandon? Um. Now, now, this is the toughest question you're gonna face ever on this podcast. Yeah. So, I want to. Okay, Dylan, I appreciate and understand your point about the under about the underscore about like, oh, you have to push an extra button and all those stuff. But at the same time, come on, dude, you can push an extra button. <laughs> I was just um, trying to make fun of. Brandon. Uh, <laughs> I know. Um, I. I cannot choose a worse one between the both of you because uh, I think that both handles are fine. I would say that my handle is worse than both of yours because mine is extremely basic. Um, and so I think that that's where I stand with it for me is that no matter where I rank the two of you, I'd rank myself below. Oh, yeah. We had to ask uh, Matt Miller and Thor. So where'd you where'd you get your Twitter handle? Right. Yeah. Before before I had the Ross Jackson ASC one, my thing was like my first initial P and then Ross Jackson. And then I think I also put Junior on there. So it was way convoluted. And then when I got a little bit better at Twitter and I started writing and everything like that, I was like, I really need to shift to one that people will be able to remember. And so I just went with kind of the same logic that Brandon went with his is that I just did my name and then ASC for All Saints Considered. And even though I've also started hosting Locked on Saints, I haven't changed it because even as you uh, so masterfully imitated and expressed at the beginning of the of this episode, um, you know, I, I bear my connection to ASC before all. And so I've kept it as Ross Jackson ASC without changing it, even though I have new affiliations since then. Good man. Good loyal man. That's, that's why we love you over here at All Nine Sports. Well, I got to tell you, man, um, if I could be sappy for a minute, like, uh, thank you again so much for having me here. And I love and appreciate everything that you guys are doing. I'm so excited that you got the podcast started. Y'all are killing it. So much fun to listen to both of you and all of your guests as well. Um, I, I love all of the work that you guys are doing over at Whole Nine Sports. I have tried to support as much as I can from inception on, and uh, I'll continue to do everything that I can. So whatever it is that I can do for you guys, please just let me know. And and even with my my tiny reach that I have, uh, I'll do anything that I can. <laughs> Definitely, it goes exactly the same way. Thanks, man. All right. Yeah, yeah. we we actually. I'm sorry, real quick. Okay. Uh, no, no. The day that Whole9Sports.com launched, we actually had Dylan on Locked On Saints, and that was a uh, that was pretty that was pretty good for us. So thanks. For oh, that. good man. Yeah, of course, of course. No, I loved hearing um, everything that you guys were doing at that point, and I was like, let's get somebody on to to really push, you know, reach a new audience a little bit and everything. So uh, happy to continue to do that, and I love the partnership that we have. So thank you for all that you do. Well, I never would have ever done anything in sports journalism without ross to be fair because <laughs> ross i i i one knew i wanted to do it but i never thought it was possible and then ross said something about all saints considered and i was like hey can i write uh, an article for fun 
and then now I'm here today. There you go, man. There you go. It's all about helping each other out, man. We're trying to watch everybody eat out here, so that's what it is. Vegan or otherwise. Or vegan or otherwise. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> have, have, thanks for listening, guys. Have a great night.